This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com, H-A-W-G Sports.com. Today on the show, we're going to take one last look at this Texas A&M game, look ahead to the Tennessee game as well, and we're going to answer your questions also. All that and more on Hog Sports Live. Before we get started, of course, I want to remind you there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live. If you haven't thrown us a thumbs up yet on Facebook Live, do so. If you haven't followed the page, do that also. Share the content with somebody you think might like it as well, and be sure to comment, get your questions in. Also available on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to YouTube, go ahead and do that and hit the notifications bell so you're notified anytime we upload a new video. We'll also take a thumbs up from you on YouTube uh, if you like the content. Also available on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't taken a moment to throw a five-star review, then do so now. We're also available on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. If you haven't signed up for our newsletter, you should do that. Go to hogsports.com at the top right. You'll see where to sign up for your free daily newsletter. So you get free Razorback content delivered every single morning. Also sign up for text alerts so you get breaking news text alerts so you know before your friends when any type of breaking news happens. For example, this morning when the Arkansas-Florida uh, game was announced, 6 o'clock on ESPN, in 12 days, you would have gotten a text alert, so you would have known right away when that happened. We also send breaking news newsletters also whenever there's important stuff. So be sure to sign up for those things if you haven't done so already. Also, Hog Sports is 30% off for your first year, or you can sign up for $1 your first month right now. Okay, so... I always take a long last look. I usually spend Sundays, if it's an early game, then I may you know, do it that night. But I usually spend Sundays just really diving into the game, watching every play, rewinding, watching it again, seeing what I like, what I don't like. Uh, it is a VIP article to read it in full on Hog Sports, so you'll want that VIP subscription. But you know, just kind of a few things that people pay attention to. Is Arkansas going to be in an odd front? Are they going to be in an even front? So I break all that stuff down. And really the first series, they mixed it up a lot. They came out in an even front. Then they ran an odd front and an even front. They had Xavier Kelly at one of the defensive end spots, which we haven't seen. Julius Coates started at the other ones. They were bookending uh, Jonathan Marshall and Isaiah Nichols. So that's a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. But throughout the game, you know, there was a stretch there for a while where they just went three-man front for a long time, and then they would just go four-man. But I thought it was interesting in the opening series, they kept switching it up. And then the, they, it was like they would stick with it for a long stretch also. Broke down the Arkansas, the first quarter defense, just how, how things shook out, you know, just, again, not just the, uh, the fronts for defense, but also, you know, just what was going on and, you know, when they were blitzing and things like that. So if you like that kind of content, I think this is a good article to read that you'll really enjoy. I spent a lot of time doing it for our VIP subscribers on Hog Sports. Second half was a lot of the same, really, in terms of how they approach things. Um, the start, uh, for those of you who didn't notice, Ricky Stromberg did not start at center due to being limited in practice that week. Um, but really, aside from not having him in there and Trey Knox just kind of just falling to the second team, basically, really coming out of camp, it they had the 11 guys, I guess, maybe you'd say nine guys, that you felt were the best players. So they were pretty healthy overall in offense. Obviously, uh, Rakeem Boyd had his best game of the season, but Knox hadn't been in there. And then eventually they moved Stromberg to the starting center spot. Um, and they had Ty Clary working some at guard. So they mixed it up a little bit with the offensive line. Luke Jones also played a decent amount. Um, we haven't really seen that much mix up. I thought it was interesting. There was a stretch there. Um, after Rakeem came out that first series, you know, he, he ran the ball like five times or something that first series. And, or touched it maybe five times. Uh, but he did not return for three more series until 109 was left in the first half. I just thought that was interesting. 
And Pittman said he wasn't hurt or anything or wasn't getting taped up or treatment. It was just there, that's when they were playing trailing. And then in the second half, they kind of did the same thing. There was, a, there was a pretty good stretch where they didn't have Rakeem in there. And then, you know, then they, then they did. So I thought that was kind of an interesting way um, to split things up with those guys. And I think maybe they're trying to maybe just keep Rakeem healthier for the end of the, end of the halves. When Arkansas, when it was fourth and two from their own 49-yard line with 5.09 to go before the half, I was basically just like going, why are you doing this? And I said this a little bit in my walk and talk. It's like the game isn't on the line. Do not go for it. And I see too many teams this season going for it at midfield. And I know people different people have different you know ideas on where you should punt or not. But I see a lot of teams going for it at midfield, a lot of teams going for it on fourth and one at the goal line instead of you know taking their medicine. And so many times this season I feel like I've seen it stopped. So I was just like, what are they doing? And then they were like scrambling, trying to change the play. Play clock's coming down. It's one second. I'm thinking, okay, well, surely they're not about to run a play here. They're confused. They don't know what's going on. And then when he dropped back, he snapped it, and he dropped back to throw it deep and threw it deep. I was just like, what are you doing? You only got to get two yards. And then, of course, it was a 36-yard pass, perfect throw to Traylon Burks down to the 15-yard line. But at the same time, you know, when you look at it, are you going to have Texas A&M with seven in the box, you know, playing cover one with the cornerbacks, you know, pressed up at the line of scrimmage, are you going to get that look very often with Traylon Burks? Probably not. So I guess it made made some sense. One of the things that I took out of the game that, that has kind of evolved with college football that I don't like is this attitude, and it worked in Arkansas's favor, but this attitude that you've got to, you know, a play might be controversial. You're going to hurry up and run to the line and snap the ball so the refs can't review it. And I, I just don't – I don't like that. And, and it benefited Arkansas, but I've seen other teams try to do it. But I want the play – I want the call to be right, okay? And I just don't feel like this is – I don't know, ethics isn't the right word. What's the word I'm looking for? But I just don't like the way that is set up, that you can hurry up and try to snap the ball real quick before they have a chance to review it. But it benefited Arkansas. I don't, I don't know that Blake Kern caught that ball down at the one-yard line. Uh, that time before Arkansas scored on the uh, on the pass on the screen pass to uh, Tyson Morris, but I felt like it warranted a review. Losing Catalan was huge for Arkansas. Losing him in the first half, I mean that's a guy. In my opinion, Jalen Catalan is the best player on Arkansas's defense. Okay, and Pittman was kind of saying that today. You know, he's the guy that that calls everything. He sees everything. Spends a ton a ton of time studying film. So losing him was was really critical. I would like to see. First of all, it's got to be a harsh penalty, okay? It's got to be a harsh penalty for doing this because player safety is important. But ejecting a guy, to me, it just seems so harsh. Like, wouldn't maybe like a what – what if it was like a 25-yard penalty and a warning? And if you do it again, then you're ejected. But a 25-yard penalty to me seems like it would be pretty hefty and would discourage players from doing that. But just being ejected from the game and so many times – it's accidental. It doesn't matter if it's accidental. I mean, with Catalan's hit, you know, it kind of looked like maybe he didn't expect the guy to go down. The guy was kind of going down, you know, all kinds of little things like that you can't control that are bang, bang, results in this penalty. And losing Catalan was huge for them. I mean, Arkansas's defense stopped them on the first possession. I think they had one 15-yard run that was a big play by, by Isaiah Spiller. And then they stopped on the first possession. They didn't stop them again until like 927 mark of the fourth quarter on defense. A lot of missed field goal attempts. I First of all, SEC Network, if a, if a guy misses a field goal, you got to replay the field goal. They never replay the field goal. There was a lot of problems I had with the SEC Network telecast, and we'll get to that. But to me, I'll go back and look at it, and I'm rewinding it. It looked to me like – Michael Clemens, defensive lineman, might have gotten his hand on the ball. I couldn't tell, but, you know, I was looking because the ball looked kind of low and it was off to the right, it was short. And I'm thinking, okay, so when you're kicking, you want to step just past the ball with your non-kicking foot. And that way, you know, you're kind of coming down so you get plenty of loft on the ball. So I was thinking maybe he stepped short of the ball or right next to the ball or something. But, no, he stepped right past it. Good snap, good hold. The only thing I can figure that happened, and I wish they would have shown a replay because it looked like from the angle that Clemens maybe got his hand on the ball. That was the uh, – I can't remember how far out he was on that, but 
um, it was a, it was a pretty decent kick. And then the next attempt, he pulled, just pulled it a little bit. I don't think there was anything wrong with that either. With 3.07 to play, I'm not sure where the, what quarter that was. I wrote down the wrong thing. But with 3.07 to play, um, Ryan Rennick, the backup tight end, clearly pulled Julius Coach's jersey next to Kellen Mond, who was the ball carrier. I mean, everything's happening right there in the frame. I don't know how you don't make that call. And, again, this isn't a game where I'm like, the referee screwed Arkansas. I didn't, I didn't come away feeling like that. If you saw the walk and talk, I didn't come away feeling like, this is a game where Arkansas got screwed by the referees. I only expect perfection from the refs, you know, on scoring plays and uh, reviews and in the last few minutes of the game when the game's being decided. I don't expect perfection, but this was one that I, I just don't understand how they didn't call it. Mon was five yards behind the line of scrimmage. It should have been a 15-yard penalty on top of that from the spot of the foul. Ended up being a two-yard pickup. Um, and they ended up scoring on that play, on that drive, of course, like they did every drive between the – second and third quarters. But it should have been a second and 20 to me. Later on that drive when they did score, so Spiller goes up the gut for a six-yard touchdown run and spikes the ball. And I don't mean just like kind of casually spikes it. I mean with authority, NFL style, spikes the ball. And I literally was thinking the the announcers didn't say anything. The ref is like – I can see his head turning – with Spiller as he's going into the end zone and watching him spike the ball, and he didn't throw the flag. And I'm thinking, all right, well, this just must be a penalty that was changed in the offseason that I just overlooked. I don't know how else. For those of you watching, I cut myself right here pretty good, shaving. I don't know if y'all can see that. I'm strategically turned this way so you don't have to look at the slice in my head. So, anyway – I don't understand how that's not called. It's it's a 15-yard personal foul penalty. It happened right before the half. Arkansas ends up going down and kicking a field goal, which, again, I believe was the 49-yarder. So 15 extra yards would have helped. It would have been nice to have. There was a face mask penalty later on Traylon Burks. Or, excuse me, it was on uh, Leon O'Neal, who was grabbing Burks the whole way. But on the replay, it looked like Burks is the guy that had his hand on his face mask. I didn't see O'Neal ever have his face mask unless it happened before they started showing stuff. But it was called a double penalty on Leon O'Neal for grabbing the face mask. And, uh, no, excuse me, it was Antonio Johnson. Leon O'Neal was next on the next play. So it was Antonio Johnson who who grabbed the face – or who was holding him. But Burks had his face mask. Should have been an offsetting penalty. So they got it wrong the other way. You know, it's not just Arkansas who gets the bad calls. <clears throat> but on the next play, Leon O'Neill just grabbed Burks by the hips. But I felt like on that play, you know, they don't show it. And the announcers are clearly Stinchcomb and I can't remember the other guy's name, but they're clearly in a studio, I guess, in Charlotte, North Carolina, not on location. And I thought that showed by how mundane and obvious the calls were. But on this particular play, you have Stinchcomb talking about why the ball wasn't intercepted. This guy's got to catch the ball and totally leaving out the fact that, that Leon O'Neill basically just pulled Burks by the hips. I mean, clear pass interference penalty when the ball's in the air, but he didn't see it because it wasn't shown on TV. And I thought it just kind of made him look like he didn't know what he was talking about. So I got a few complaints again with that. Um, Arkansas really struggling in the red zone, I thought. Again, I mean, obviously you don't want to kick three field goals on the road like that. But let's see. There was one series there where um, Arkansas was set up at the 14-yard line. They handed off to Traylon Burks. who's supposed to throw a pass. That play hasn't worked, and similar versions of that play has not worked in two years. But they were supposed to throw a pass. Um, let's see. And then you had a holding call against Myron Cunningham on third and 11, put Arkansas on a third and 21. For someone freezing, somebody's mowing right outside my window right now. <laughs> I don't know why nobody's supposed to be mowing. Maybe it's the neighbors. I got a little frustrated with Arkansas not throwing past the marker on third downs. I think that happened three different times. Uh, there was 5-11 mark of the first quarter where Franks threw – uh, short of the mark on third and 11. Then with 13.30 to go in the third quarter, he threw short to Hudson Henry, who was bailed out because of a helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit on Antonio Johnson when he was ejected. 
And then 3:49 to go in the third quarter on third and seven. On third and seven, the ball was thrown to Henry again, but it was only four yards downfield. Henry dropped the pass, but he, he might have had a shot. But I, I still, there are too many times I feel like where you're throwing short of the first down marker, and that's something that I think bugs a lot of people. So would like to see that a little differently. So back to the SEC Network critique. They were obviously not there. Um, in the studio, and again, I, I felt like the commentary was just very mundane, mundane and obvious, uh, and I think it's a direct result of not being in the actual venue. So that's my critique. Get your announcers there, and I understand it's a COVID deal, but, I mean, other people are having people there. I just feel like, you know, if you're going to televise the game, let's do the best job possible. Send the people there. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Show, show replays of field goal attempts, especially when they're missed. There's a penalty flag. Show that replay also. There was a penalty flag against, they called on Julius Coates, said he was at a face mask. That we never saw anything. They never replayed it. They also missed a bunch of, like, you, you come away from commercial break or, or you know, you're panning out, showing something else, and, you know, the play's already started. That happened too often on Saturday. And also, there were not 27,000 people there. It looked like there was like 40, I mean, maybe 50. I mean, it's a 102,000-seat stadium, and, I mean, it looked like there was a ton of people in there. They kept saying 27,000, the environment's great and all this stuff. The Corps of Marines is one family unit. They're all packed together. There was not 27,000 people in that stadium. I wrote an article in defense of Felipe Franks because I hear a lot of people criticize Felipe Franks, okay? And he's not perfect. And something that we said all offseason was if he can just be average, it would be such an upgrade from what Arkansas has had. And he's been better than average. The problem is he holds the ball too long. And also, you know, if you're watching on TV, you don't see necessarily what's going on downfield. But I've seen him in person, you know, obviously several times and um, a couple times anyway. Uh, there are times where I felt like he's just, he's, just, he's just held the ball too long and sometimes doesn't have very good spatial awareness, doesn't feel the rush like he should. You know, I always count off and think, you know, if you got four seconds, you should be, the ball should be gone. And there are times where he's had more than four seconds. So I don't know that I put it all in the offensive line uh, for some of his stats and stuff. But having said all that, there was only one time on Saturday where he put the ball in jeopardy of being intercepted. And it came in the fourth quarter, you know, when it's desperation time. One time. He's only thrown three interceptions all season. He's completing at a 66% completion rate, which is 0.2% worse than the all-time Arkansas record set in 1988 by Kevin Scanlon. 0.2% completion percent behind the all-time Arkansas record, which has stood since 1978. Okay, keep that in mind. His efficiency rating is about 149 so you have to go back again, 10 starting quarterbacks at Arkansas, all the way to Brandon Allen, who had the best statistical season of any Razorback quarterback in history. You have to go back all the way to him, 10 starting quarterbacks, back to 2015 to find a quarterback who's had a better year. 
no quarterback has started and played the schedule that he has played. You would have to go back again to probably 2009, maybe even farther. I mean, back then they played four of their first five games or SEC teams. All five opponents, including three in the top 25 right now, all five opponents are SEC opponents. And he's he's putting up this uh, this efficiency rating. So 105 of 159 passing, 66% for 1,213 yards, 11 touchdowns, and three interceptions. It's not bad, guys. Perspective. you got to have some perspective. But I've seen people say they ought to go with Malik Hornsby. You know, everybody loves the new backup quarterback, right? But I've seen that. I've seen, you know, just harsh criticism on him holding the ball too long. But the bottom line is Franks gives you the best chance to win. He's not putting you in bad situations by creating a lot of turnovers. He's had some. He's had a fumble. He's had three interceptions. That's going to happen. But overall, I feel like there was a need to defend Felipe Franks today because I think he's getting some undue criticism for not being perfect and having, you know, everybody's got their flaws, you know, this or that. It's always something with somebody, you know, where they don't do this well. And they get criticized harshly for it, but um, overall Felipe's played pretty well for Arkansas. So I just wanted to mention that. 23 of 31 for 239 yards, three touchdowns on Saturday, and 91 rushing yards on 16 carries. That includes the, the four sacks on him. Otherwise, I guess he would have been over 100 yards. Kellen Mond killed him, guys. I mean, that was the best I've ever seen Kellen Mond play, and not just Arkansas games, but other times when I've watched Texas A&M. That was as efficient as I've seen him. They were completely balanced. They didn't have a lot of errors. They did have nine penalties for 100 yards, but they didn't turn the ball over at all. They just played a good game. And against a team like that who – is better than Arkansas, man for man, more complete. They're in year three of Jimbo Fisher. They've got a senior quarterback, four senior starters on the offensive line, five returning starters on the offensive line, an experienced defense. That Jalen Weidermeyer guy, Weidermeyer, I think I'm saying that right, I don't know. But him and Burks for Arkansas probably were the two most talented players on the field Saturday. That's what I think. And – I've also seen some pretty harsh criticism from Hudson Clark, who had been playing very well until this one. Somebody pointed out that he had eight targets against him, eight catches for 111 yards and a touchdown. Um, Whoever was guarding Weidermeyer was going to get picked on. Whoever was guarding a 6'5", 265-pound tight end who's as physical as you can be at 6'5", 265, and runs like a wide receiver is going to get picked on. Kid's very good. Very good. Texas A&M's got a better team than Arkansas. That's what it comes down to, people. That's what it comes down to. They got a good team. They didn't make a lot of mistakes. Arkansas needed them to make some mistakes. They needed some stuff that they tried from a trickeration standpoint to kind of work out. And it just didn't. I'm going to go on record right now and say Arkansas is going to beat Tennessee on Saturday. Arkansas has already started preparation for Tennessee. They actually started the first day of the bye week. They started working on Tennessee because Tennessee, unfortunately for Arkansas, is coming off of a bye week from this past weekend uh, after playing Alabama. So Arkansas knew that they weren't going to get any new film on Tennessee, so they went ahead and jumped in, did a day of prep on Tennessee. They got to work on Tennessee on Sunday, which is usually an off day. They'll practice on them again today. Tuesday – which is usually a work day for Arkansas, is an off day this week. And they're taking off Tuesday instead of Sunday because of the election. All right. I guess they want to give the opportunity to kids to make sure they go out and vote. Um, And I guess also pay attention to the election returns, which, again, we're not talking politics on this show, but I would be surprised if we find out who wins on Tuesday. Arkansas released its depth chart for the Tennessee game today. Not a whole lot of changes other than in the secondary. Jerry Jacobs was was listed as a starter last week. We know since he's opted out. They've removed him now. Hudson Clark is now listed as a starter. He was listed as a backup on the other side to Monteric Brown, but he's listed as a starter now ahead of Kari Johnson, who Johnson has changed his number from 19 to number zero, which Jerry Jacobs was wearing. Joe Fouché is now listed as a lone starter at boundary safety. Previously, you had Simeon Blair listed as a starter with an or before Fouché. Malik Chavis is now listed in place of Hudson Clark as the backup boundary corner behind Monteric Brown. 
that's pretty much all the changes that have been made. Now, defensive line, who knows how that shakes out. Dorian Gerald is still listed as starter or Zach Williams, but on Saturday it was Xavier Kelly starting at defensive end uh, with um, with Julius Coates, and neither of them are listed as starters. Eric Gregory made a – you know, he was pretty late coming in. Dorian Gerald was pretty late coming in. Zach Williams, Mateo Soli, all those guys. Arkansas has got a lot of ends now, don't they? But Xavier Kelly started it in for Arkansas in a four-man front. Now, he's worked it in a three-man front some, but that's the first time I've seen him in a four-man front working it in. And maybe they just wanted to have some, you know, older players in there, some more, you know, because Texas A&M's offensive line is, is such a veteran group. So maybe that's why they did that. Kickoff time is set for Arkansas versus Florida. This is the first time in a while that we've seen a kickoff time release 12 days out. Usually there's so many games that were scheduled already. Tennessee game was already scheduled for 630. Uh, SEC Network, by the way. Um, you know, the Missouri game later in the year is already scheduled. But, you know, like the first three games of the season were scheduled. So this is the first time in a while. 6 p.m. on ESPN, Central Standard Time. We're Standard Time now. So 6 p.m., Central Standard Time on ESPN. Obviously, it's Eastern Time, so it's 7 o'clock Eastern. Should be an interesting game. Florida is going to have some players out this week. They got some guys suspended after that that, that fight. Dan Mullen was fined $25,000 also. Tennessee's schedule so far, flipping gears, looking ahead. South Carolina, they opened the season with a 31-27 loss. Missouri, 35-12 win. Or excuse me, excuse me, sorry. They opened the season with a 31-27 win over South Carolina in Columbia. And then they hosted Missouri, 135-12. Then lost 44-21 to Georgia. This was the first ranked team that, that Tennessee had played over like a 10-game stretch. Tennessee was nationally ranked at this time, had the longest winning streak in the SEC, and had not played a ranked opponent during that whole stretch until they ran into Georgia and lost by, what, 23 points? Then they lost to Kentucky the following week, 34-7, in Knoxville, and then got blasted by Alabama, 48-17. It has not been a good stretch for Tennessee. Three games in a row they've lost, so they get a bye week heading into Arkansas. I just want to take you back real quick. I don't mean to, like, criticize Tennessee at all, okay? I realize they're building their program back. They've been on hard times. But when I go back and look at, you know, what's transpired for them the past couple of years and the fact that they got ranked, it feels like, you know, anytime Tennessee does something positive, they get ranked, you know? Texas gets the same kind of treatment. So they opened the season last year with a loss to Georgia State, 30-38 to loss. Then they lost to BYU in overtime, 29-26. They smoked Chattanooga. Then they got smoked by Florida, 34-3. Then Georgia hammered them, 43-14. All right. Then they beat Mississippi State, 20-10. Okay, get back in the win column. Then they get they lose to Alabama, 35-13. Okay, then they hit this streak. They beat South Carolina. South Carolina was not very good last year, 41-21. Then they beat UAB. UAB is never good. Then they beat Kentucky 17-13. Then Missouri 24-20. Then Vanderbilt 28-10. And then they get Indiana in the bowl game win 23-22. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I look at South Carolina, UAB, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Indiana, if Arkansas had played that schedule the second half of the season last year, Chad Morris would still be the coach at Arkansas. Maybe not. <laughs> but – Certainly would have liked to have that versus – and then they opened the season with George – or excuse me, at South Carolina and versus Missouri. So that's the stretch. Let's go over this one more time. This is the stretch that Tennessee played to end the season. All right? After the Alabama game, South Carolina, UAB, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Indiana, South Carolina, Missouri – and they get nationally ranked off that schedule. Let's look at Arkansas schedule. I didn't. I don't have it up. So I'm gonna bring it up real quick. So this is how Arkansas schedule was last year. Here we go. All right. So about the same time. 
So about the same time. One, two, three, four, five. Six. Okay. So their last six games last year. Number 11, Auburn. Number one, Alabama. Mississippi State. Western Kentucky. At number one, LSU. Missouri. And then heading into this year, open with Georgia. At Mississippi State. At Auburn. Just different. It's just different. The fact that these two teams are in the same conference, one's Eastern, one's Western, I get it. But, like, Arkansas, over a nine-game stretch, played six ranked teams in the same stretch that Tennessee played zero ranked teams. Three of those teams that Arkansas played, two of them were ranked one at the time, and another was ranked third, <laughs> number three. I'm just saying, like, if Tennessee last year – if they play the stretch that Arkansas played to end the season, Jeremy Pruitt might not be the coach there, especially with the way things started out with losing to Georgia State, losing to BYU. He might not be the coach there. Incredible how things like that make – I mean, it just makes such a big difference. Looking at Tennessee scoring offense, they are averaging 22.2 points a game. There's some schools that didn't get the memo that the, the scoring in the SEC is way up. Arkansas is one of them. They're only averaging 24.6 points a game. Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, none of those places got the memo. Total offense, Tennessee's averaging 323 yards a game. Again, not very good. Arkansas, not much better, 369.4 yards a game. Scoring defense, Tennessee is allowing 33 points a game, which is a lot. They were ranked tied for 10th in the SEC. Arkansas, on the other hand, is averaging 28.8 points allowed per game, ranked 5th in the SEC. Total defense, Tennessee giving up 407 yards a game, Arkansas giving up 423 to rank 9th and 10th, respectively. So that's kind of where things stand right now in the statistical world. Passing, where is Garantano? Jarrett Garantano is 11th in passing. Well, let's see. What's his rating? That's a better indicator. So he's ninth in, pa- in efficiency rating, 128 is his efficiency rating. Felipe Franks is fifth, by the way, 149 efficiency rating. You look at rushing, Eric Gray is a guy that I really like. He's averaging 71 uh, yards a game, 4.5 yards per carry, two touchdowns. He's from Memphis. I remember there was a kid that Arkansas was recruiting, and somebody pointed him out to me. I was like, man, this guy looks really good. They might have a chance. I look, he's like from South Carolina. I was like, they're not getting him. And then I see this kid, Eric Gray, from Memphis. I'm like, well, maybe they got a shot at Eric Gray. And then Tennessee, I believe, comes into the picture, and he ends up going there. But he's a really good-looking back, really shifty. He's not the only back they've got. Uh, they got the Ty Chandler kid, who's a senior, who's averaging five and a half yards a carry. Fairly similar results. And receiving, Tennessee's best receiver right now is senior Josh Palmer, who is averaging 59 yards per catch. Palmer. All right, everybody, that's pretty much what I got for you on the breakdown stuff. Interesting game. I'm calling it right now. Arkansas is going to beat Tennessee on Saturday in Fayetteville. I picked them to beat Tennessee in the preseason, but I really feel strongly about it for some reason. I just – I feel like, you know, the benefit that Tennessee has to me in this game, they've recruited very well, obviously, but I just don't know that they're quite there where – and not that Arkansas is. I don't mean that. But Arkansas is the home team. Okay, but the the benefit Tennessee has to me is that they're coming off of a bye week after playing Alabama. Everybody feels easier after Alabama, and they get a bye week. So Arkansas did take advantage a little bit of their bye week and get a jump on Tennessee, so maybe that will benefit them. Maybe getting an early start this week, working Sunday, Monday, also uh, helps them because they do get an extra day to at least think about everything that's going on, even though they won't be practicing on the field. So maybe maybe there's some benefits for Arkansas. I'm going to hop over to the Razor's Edge VIP forum right now and answer some of the questions, and we're going to come over to you guys on Facebook and answer your questions as well. 
We've got about 10 minutes left here. Where are my questions? There they are. Before we get to the questions, one last time, I got to tell you guys, there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. Always tune in on Facebook Live. Follow the page if you haven't done so already. Share it with somebody. Throw us an emoji, a like, uh, a frown face, something. Whatever, however you feel about the content, throw it right now uh, and get your questions in, of course, because we're going to get to those in a minute. Also available on YouTube. Subscribe to the page and hit the notifications bell so you're notified anytime we upload the new videos. Also available on Apple Podcasts. Throw us a five-star rating and leave a review. Say something nice about the show. Let people know what they can expect from Hog Sports Live if you like the content. Also available on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you can find your favorite podcast. Also, sign up for our free newsletter. Go to hawgsports.com at the top right. You'll see where to sign up for newsletter and also for our breaking news text alerts. Both of these are free. We're going to spend mostly free content to your daily morning newsletter. We'll also send breaking news items whenever something happens. But most of the content is going to be free. 75% of it is going to be free all in one. You know, probably about eight different articles each time. Also, text alerts. We don't spam you or anything like that. You can cancel both of these anytime if you don't like them, but uh, all we do on text alerts is just send you breaking news. And we'll send you a link back to, you know, more information if, if that. But we don't spam it. We don't tease it. We just, we get, we're just going to send you the news, okay? So two great things to sign up for if you haven't done so already. Birmingham says, where's Devin Bush? That's a great question, Birmingham. I mean, I've seen him out there in the game before last. He was out there. What was that Ole Miss, I guess? So he's played some, but I guess he's just not moved up the depth yard. I guess it's just sometimes you get beat out. Maybe that's what it is. Hogzilla says, how many seniors realistically could the coaches invite back? How many spots are open for them? Theoretically, as many seniors as they as they want. Let's look. Let's look at the seniors on this roster. I've I've, I've know I've gone through it very recently just to kind of kind of gauge it. But you've got Rakeem Boyd. He's not coming back, but obviously you'd love to have him back. Devion Warren, I think, is a possibility. Hayden Henry is a possibility. H.T. Fountain is a snapper. It's a possibility. Ty Clary is a possibility. So those are your true seniors on the roster right now. Jerry Jacobs obviously opted out. Dorian Gerald, I think going into the season, he was probably thinking he's, you know, this is his last year. He's going to put some good tape together uh, and go pro. However, he has been injured. He hasn't played a whole lot. He's had the ankle issue. It's a possibility you could get him back. Felipe Franks would be welcome back, obviously. He could come back. Tyson Morris, welcome back. Jack Lindsay, I don't know if he'd come back or not. You know, he's been the holder. I don't know that he's got much more than that in his future, but maybe. It's not. I, I don't think – I think they'll probably do a situation where it's not going to hurt you from a scholarship standpoint. At least I'd like to think that they would do that, work with you some kind of way. Micah Smith could come back. Grant Morgan, that would be a really great one to come back. I don't know if Grant's getting drafted, but he's a really good college linebacker. Deion Edwards has been hurt a good bit this season. Uh, A.J. Reed at kicker could come back. I don't know why you wouldn't at kicker unless you're just ready to go on and move on to the next phase of life. T.J. Hammonds, Jonathan Marshall. I think Jonathan is, is probably positioning himself to get drafted right now. Sam Lloyd could come back, but he's, I guess, is he the third punter? Chaboyzian Juan has opted out. Myron Cunningham, I think he may be positioning himself to possibly get drafted late. Blake Kern, I think, would be a good one. I mean, I think going into the season, nobody thought Blake Kern, but, I mean, he's played well this season. Eli Hale's a walk-on. Xavier Kelly could come back if he wanted to. So, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think that there could be some benefits. Sam Pittman mentioned this, but I was thinking that uh, recently, but I was thinking this also, I think he mentioned it on Thursday, but, you know, there's a lot of teams like Alabama that have guys on campus for three years. Regardless of what happens right now, they're going pro next year. You know, for Arkansas, you could be talking about adding several six-year guys, some men. I'm talking like some 23, 24-year-olds <laughs> versus, you know, other teams playing with, you know, 19, 20-year-olds. Could, that, could sh that could shrink the gap a little bit in terms of these teams that get, you know, a bunch of five-star talents and stuff versus some veteran, experienced seniors. How old are you if you're a senior? 22, 23? So, I guess maybe you could be 23, 24 if you're a six-year guy. Something to think about. Where are my questions at? I lost them. Okay, here we go. 
Hog fan in KS16 says, who shines more in Tennessee game, the offense or the defense? I think the defense is going to bounce back in this one. Uh, I'm not – I'd be careful what I say, but I'm not that impressed with Garantano. Garantano, Garantino, Garantano. Not that impressed with him as a quarterback. Um, I do think they have some really good running backs. They're big. They've been recruiting very well, obviously. But I think that Arkansas's defense will bounce back in this one, especially getting Catalan back. I think that really hurt them. Raising Hog says, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Woodchucks don't chuck wood. Corpus Hog said, will Barry Odom's defense always struggle against a power run team? I, I just think – I think they didn't tackle very well. I think that – um, it just depends on the personnel. And just to show you how much you can improve in a year, that offensive line unit gave up 34 sacks last year for Texas A&M, and they've given up two this year. According to everywhere, somebody said they only gave up one, but according to everywhere I look, they've only given up two. And that didn't mean the offensive line gave them up, I guess, but as a team, Texas A&M gave up two sacks this year. So will they always struggle against a power run team? No, they won't. Rippy Rowe, I think I said it right that time, Rippy Rowe. With all the talk of the seniors returning to starting to pick up, which ones do you see coming back next year? I kind of mentioned a few guys. Uh, I think we kind of covered this up. Trey, what's your gut feeling? Do we get to turn that damn jukebox up this Saturday evening? I'm on record already saying I'm picking Arkansas to win the game. I felt going in. I felt before the Texas A&M game that it was going to happen, and I feel even more strongly after it that Arkansas will win the game on Saturday. I usually don't come out and say it like that, but I don't know. For some reason, I got a feeling that night's going to be a good night. All right, let's hop over to Facebook now. See what questions you guys have for us. Adrian Jones says, does Catalan have to sit out any time during the first quarter because of the targeting penalty? No, since it was the first half, Adrian, then um, he fulfills his sit out. So he will be there. Curtis Kendrick says, via Mike Woods on his YouTube channel, three day, three and out going to the NFL. Not sure what you're talking about. That's what I hate about Facebook is, like, I can't just see questions. Nathan E. Allen says, hey, Trey, love your stuff. Have you watched SEC Shorts on YouTube? That's a wonderful life spoof on Arkansas's gold. Yeah, I, I've watched that. In fact, that reminds me, Nathan E. Allen, I forgot to watch this week's show, but I watch every single one that comes on. Those guys, I mean, they do it. To come up with some of the ideas they do and do it in such a short amount of time, like I find myself like they come up with like a list of things, like a list of ideas that they have, and they'll see what fits where throughout the season or they just come up with it on the spot. Love somebody to do like an interview with those guys. Do a great job. Casey Rowland says, just came online. Do we have a time on the game? The game Saturday is 6.30 p.m. uh, on SEC Network. The game against Florida in 12 days is 6 o'clock on ESPN. That was just released today. It says, what are your thoughts on winning? I think I've covered that for you. Liked that we were running the ball more last week. I'd like to see us using the tight ends more. I thought they used Hudson pretty good bit, Casey. Probably as much as, uh, as they ever have. What time is the Missouri game? The Missouri game hasn't been moved, so as far as I can see, the Missouri game is still going to be played on on uh, on Saturday instead of on Friday, unless they make some kind of late change. But I don't see that happening at this point. But it's still to be announced. Okay, traditionally it's played on Saturday. Frank's playing pretty good. People just don't understand. Let's see. Why can't sideline reporters be in the stadium but not the announcers? The announcers can be. I I just think they just made that decision. A few years ago, uh, ESPN started experimenting with basketball games with having announcers uh, remote, not at the actual game. I think you lose a lot. I think the commentary becomes mundane and obvious, as I said. I think they they miss things that they would normally see that – Viewers at home don't get to see. I've already watched more games at home this season than I – I can't remember the last time I watched this many games at home, I guess. But I've been – I mean, I've been to the two games in Fayetteville. 
I guess I've, I've probably watched, but I think this point in the season so far, this is definitely the most times that I've been home. Usually I, I'll travel for the games. Devin Lowry says he was at the game at College Station, says guarantee there's more than 27,000. I, I do too. I mean, I don't I don't know why. I guess maybe because they have to fulfill their 25% deal, but it, it sure there wasn't a single person I talked to who said there was 27,000 in there. Scott Lennon says, Coach did get the guy by the face max. Thank you, Scott. I would have liked to have seen it, though. Timothy Wisenant says, watching from 35,000 feet. I saw something the other day with atomic clocks. It's about Einstein's theory of relativity that says you're, uh, you're actually aging faster by millionths of a second. Time doesn't work the way we think. So you're 35,000 feet, so you're aging faster than me, Timothy. <laughs> I guess you're on a plane. Andrew Sawyer says, I agree. The announcing was horrible. Marcus Holmes said, it was just so obvious. I hate when it's just like obvious, you know, like there's no insight, no depth. And I'll also say their Halloween candy selections were terrible. Terrible. Who's top three is the three musketeers or whatchamacallit? And why would you save the green M&Ms for last when they all taste the same? It's not like they're Skittles or something. Pretzel M&M's, one of your top three Halloween candies? Get out of here. Get out of here. I feel like I can't take anything you say seriously if you're going to say your top three candies are different versions of M&M's. And number one is plain M&M's. Whose favorite is plain M&M's? Whose second favorite is a whatchamacallit? I've never I don't see anybody putting a three I'm not going to turn down three musketeers, but I don't ever see anybody putting that up there. Their top three favorite Halloween candies. It's a great Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where the doctor, Jerry goes, uh, not Jerry, but uh, Larry goes to, recommends this restaurant, and Larry goes to the restaurant, and the restaurant's terrible. And he goes back to the doctor and basically fires the doctor from being his doctor because he didn't feel like he can trust anything he says now. <laughs> great episode. Jason Barrington says there's numerous holds called. Yeah, there was a few. Again, I don't expect them to be perfect, but there are certain times when, like, it's, like, obvious. It's obvious that this dude has Julius Coates' jersey on that two-yard run by Mond. I mean, it, it was, like, it was right by the play, right where the action's happening. So, I understand, like, this stuff gets away from the play, but this is, like, right there. They're within, you know, five yards of each other. Great effort, says Chad Pitt, but need the D to step back up. Yeah, they got to do a better job tackling. Again, Kellen Mond threw the ball as well as I've ever seen him throw it. I mean, I've always thought he was just kind of mechanical, overrated, not as fast as people say, but he was really throwing the ball well, and that's hard to defend. And they've got talent. I mean, Texas A&M, kudos to them. I mean, they built a really good program over the last three years. It's a veteran offensive line. Be interesting to see what happens next year. You know, does Kellen Mond come back? Is he an NFL guy? That offensive line, do those guys come back or they go on? That'll be an interesting thing to watch at Texas A&M. Might not be a bad idea to root Texas A&M the rest of the way. So those guys draft – I mean, the better you are as a team, I've always felt it, it correlates to draft, you know, how, how you end up in the draft. Wilson Wood, what's up, Wilson? I swear our fans are ignorant. <laughs> not all of them. Some people just – it's just you got to put things in perspective. I mean, people. some people I think in this day and age, and I'm guilty of it too, you know, I love playing video games, college football, and, you know, Madden and all that stuff too. But uh, I feel like people just think it's so easy sometimes to, you know, to make plays like that or they expect perfection. And, you know, Felipe's not – he's not a exceptional – difference-making quarterback. And I think there's a tendency also with fans to always be looking. So if this guy's not a superstar, put the next guy in because he might be a superstar. And it just kind of it goes like that year after year. That's kind of how I feel things go. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Appreciate it. We had an interesting show today, looking back at Texas A&M, looking ahead to Tennessee, who Arkansas is going to beat on Saturday. It's not going to be easy. I'm not like saying like 100% bet the money line, all this stuff. I just have a feeling that Arkansas is going to put it together in this one. 
I feel like just coming off the Texas A&M game, again, they ran into a better team in Texas A&M. I don't think Tennessee is as good as Texas A&M at a few spots. And Arkansas is the home team, which matters. But I just feel like, I don't know, they got Boyd going back. Boyd looks healthy, running through tackles again. Frank's getting more comfortable. We're you know, really seeing them take advantage of Traylon Burks, who may be the best player on the field every time he's on the field. So far, I think he may have been in the games he's played. I mean, the full games that Traylon Burks has had, he's had over 1,000 yards. Be nice to see him – or, excuse me, over 100 yards. Be nice to see them get Trey Knox back involved. Hudson Henry starting to come along as a reliable option in the passing game. You know, a guy that you can at least check down to and is going to be there. A guy that you can go to on third downs. Those things are happening. I think the defense will bounce back, have a better performance, continue to get healthier. I don't remember seeing anybody come off the field due to injuries. So – if things go well with testing this week, if um, there's not a bunch of injuries that we don't know about, I think it shapes up well for Arkansas. And it's a night game. I like that as well. All right, everybody. Appreciate you tuning in. Sign up if you haven't signed up at hogsports.com. H-A-W-G Sports. Just $1 right now for your first month and 30% off if you choose the yearly option. Two great ways to sign up at hogsports.com. Just go to the site and you'll see those offers. All right, we'll be back with you on Thursday for your Arkansas versus Tennessee primer and, of course, the walk and talk following the game that night. This has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.